Well, thank you so much for joining us for our morning devotions here at Stevenson High Kirk in North Ayrshire. We especially welcome you if you're visiting us online for the very first time. Well, at 10.30am, we gather at the High Kirk for our morning service. You're welcome to join us. We would be so encouraged to see you. Well, we continue to keep social distancing to one metre in the church and masks are to be worn. If you can, please contact our church secretary, Margaret Durham, on 07748 248 187 to confirm a seat. Well, if you don't feel ready yet in returning to church, then please don't worry. For the foreseeable future, we will still be making available these morning devotion videos, which will contain the recent sermons preached at the High Kirk. Well, in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7, we read, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Therefore let's turn to the Lord as we worship together in singing our opening hymn, As We Gather.
Well, let us now unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, blessed triune God, how we need you. We need your presence and your power. We need the unction of your spirit to enable us to pray this morning. And so we can say with the hymn writer, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh bless me now, my Saviour, I come to thee. Oh, as we approach your throne of grace, we give thanks and praise that you are the God who answers prayer. You are the promise-keeping God, the God who sees us in the secret place. You see our sins, our hearts, our selfish attitudes, our self-centred ways. You also know our weaknesses, our temptations, our frailties, our concerns, our fears and our worries. Despite our brokenness, you know us intimately. You are the God who understands, the God who cares. You are the one who forgives, who loves to show mercy, kindness and tender love. Oh, how we thank you for your sovereign and providential care. Because of who you are, Lord, we can approach your throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As we share in these morning devotions together, oh, will you draw especially near and touch our lives afresh as you open your word to us. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit of promise to fill us, empower us and to lead us so that we would seek first the kingdom, to put you first, prizing you above all things, oh, to treasure you and to trust you. And we pray... Let your kingdom come and your will be done. And as we offer these prayers in Jesus' sweet and precious name, we thank you for the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we take our Bible reading from Matthew's Gospel. And there in verse 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. May the Lord bless us of reading of his infallible and inerrant words. Amen. Well, this morning I just want to focus here on Matthew's Gospel, and especially that well-known verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I have to say, when I was reading it this week, it just really struck me how everything else has to pale into the background. The priority of my life ought to be seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to just jump into this verse because there's a context here. Matthew is unveiling this gospel. Here's Matthew. Remember Matthew? The tax collector, Levi, who was there at the booth. And Jesus just looked at him and said, follow me. And here's Matthew. Yes, I'm sure he would have been one of these logicians. You know, his mind would have just thought out all the, just thought out of everything before following. But no, unlike his normal nature, Matthew just follows Jesus. And in a way, when I read through Matthew's gospel, I, I almost get the sense that there's a biography here too. Yes, Matthew, you can tell, he has been touched so deeply by Christ. Jesus has made all the difference to his life. You almost get that overwhelming joy coming through the gospel. Even from the beginning, here he is. They've been waiting for hundreds, thousands of Years waiting for the Messiah. From the beginning of time, the Lord had promised even to Adam and Eve in the garden, there is a champion coming. The Messiah is coming. The King is coming. Satan may well have caused despair and chaos. He's brought, yes, darkness into this world. And oh, he may look like the ruler for a time, but oh, there's a champion coming. And there on the cross of Calvary, we see our victorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's who Matthew beholds in his gospel. He is so excited that Jesus is the King. He truly is the King. And as he now shares this gospel, he goes through the genealogy just to show his Jewish brothers and sisters. Look, it is the Messiah. Look at his lineage. The great promises of old. Christ has fulfilled everything. He is the King. And there, as we go through Matthew's Gospel, the focus is on the King. And as the King now has come into the Gospel, as the King arrives... He's now going to establish his kingdom. Jesus said, 
that the kingdom has now begun. It's come. But there's going to be a fulfillment of it all. You wait. Jesus said, oh, the day is coming when you will see the consummation of the kingdom. You're going to see me in all my glory, in all my splendor. You're going to see me. Oh, on that day I will not look like a beggar riding on a donkey. You will see me in all the majesty. And you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there in all his splendor and glory, and the disciples get a wee glimpse of it. They see what's coming. They know when Jesus comes back, oh, he's going to look so beautiful. This world at the moment sees no attractiveness in Jesus. They don't see Jesus as being worth much. He's just a religion. He's just a concept. He's an ideology that certain people follow. These people who call themselves Christians. But no, for Matthew, that's not Christianity. Christianity is where Christ becomes Lord of all. He's not just a figment of history that we look back on like a, a, a monument and we say, oh, that's where our faith comes from. We come from that there. And we can go into the museum every Sunday at 10.30 and we can look around the Bible. The minister can share prayers and we sing these great hymns and it reminds us of the past. That's not the gospel. And that is definitely not Christianity. And I believe that that's why so many out there are put off by Christianity. Because in many places, we treat Christianity as if it was just a museum. A place that holds all our traditions. A place that people can look and see what things used to be like. And you know, we can also be guilty ourselves, even as Christians, where we can look back and say, oh, the good old days. And you know, there were some good old days. But you know, we're never to live in the past. We're never to look back and say, oh, if only things were like that now. No. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did you know that the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit is here with us and he can raise our hearts from darkness, from death. He can cause again a fire of love and passion to grow for Jesus. Maybe today you feel as if you don't have the same love that you once had for the Lord. Do you remember years ago where you felt as if church was everything? You enjoyed going to the house of God like the psalmist. I enjoyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. Do you remember when church was a joy? <laughs> when your faith was exciting? When you looked forward to prayer, knowing that God is the God who answers prayer? Or have we lost all that? Have we now just fallen into the tradition? It's maybe become a museum for us. And church is just something we check in and check back out. We've done our bit. Oh, do you know the, the Lord's here? Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's here this morning. By his spirit, he's here in this sanctuary. 
Jesus made a promise. He said, when two or more gather, I can guarantee you I'm there. You never need to doubt. See when the, because, you know, often, see when we're on our own, in our own prayer times, when we're on our own, having our devotion, reading the Bible, praying. Do you know, there are times, have you ever felt times where you've said, Lord, I don't know if you're here. Lord, are you listening? Are you there at all? Have you ever prayed like that? Lord, are you there? Well, Jesus said, see when two or more gather with you. Oh, I can promise you, I am. You don't need to doubt. And so today, you can cause all your doubts just to be left at the door. Don't bring them in here. The Lord is here. Why can I be so confident? Because Jesus said it. Jesus said, I am with you. And I am with you always. My heart tells me, Lord, I don't know if you're with me and I don't know if you are with me always. Sometimes I feel so alone. But Jesus said, Scott, I am with you always. You may not feel it, but I am with you. O ye of little faith. And so as we come into Matthew's gospel, we see the contrast of the Pharisees. They treated their faith like a museum. It was just man-made rules and rituals and traditions. And they were, oh boy, if you ever tampered with your tr their traditions, you were cast out. You were not allowed into the temple. You were not allowed into the place to worship. Oh, if you trample on any tradition. The Pharisees, they lived an outward show. It was just an outward show. It was being good on a Sunday. That's what they were like. It was making sure that everyone could see how good they were and how, what lovely Christians they are. They would live a certain life so that others would see. But you know, Jesus makes a, a, an amazing statement. He talks about how they're just like whitewashed gravestones. They're like tombs that have been nicely painted and decorated. But inside they're dead. There's no life in them at all. It's just an outward tradition. It's an outward form of Christianity. It's an outward religion. And that the world can say, oh, so that's what you believe. Jesus said it's just a man-made religion that they're following. They're not following God. They're following their traditions. They're following their rules. They're following all these things. But, oh, they don't know me. They don't know God at all. Their hearts are just not in it. Now, don't knock them, these Pharisees. They really did try and be as religious as they could. They tried to be really holy. They really did try and keep the law and all these things. And we can say, well... Okay, but you know, it was all in the head. It was, in, it was in their intellects. They would just read and try and practice. But as the Bible tells us, no one can keep the law. It's impossible. There's not a soul in this world that will ever be able to keep all the commands. So what's the point? Well, the point is, that Jesus kept all the law. Jesus, the, the, the scriptures, we're told, are a schoolmaster. 
They teach us where to go. See, when you come to realise, hang on, I can't be a good Christian. I can't keep the commands. Every day I sin. So what do I do? Do I just sit here and just be judged and wait for God's condemnation at the end of my life where I'm, where I'm maybe not going to heaven? Do I wait for that? No. The Bible tells us that the scriptures actually, although they teach us where we are falling short, it's, it's the Bible that, it's like a mirror. The Bible's like a mirror telling us, oh, I'm not as good as I thought. <laughs> I, I have sinned. I've, oh, I've failed. I've made mistakes in my life. Has the Bible ever showed you that? Have you ever looked into the Bible and seen how far we have fallen short? Don't get discouraged. That's what it's meant to do. <laughs> but then the scriptures bring us, of course, to Jesus. Because when we know that we're, oh Lord, we've just blundered. We, we, how do we do this? How will we ever get to heaven if we can't even fulfill these commands and, and that we can't keep the law and we can't really be perfect or sinless Lord how do we get to heaven well the Bible of course points to Jesus himself you must receive Christ because Jesus kept all the law because he kept the scriptures because he fulfilled everything he has now made a way into heaven for you and me because of what Jesus did when we trust in Christ Guess what? When you look at Calvary, when you look at Jesus dying on the cross, many look to the cross and they say, what a shame. Jesus died when he didn't deserve it. But when Christians look to the cross, we don't go, what a shame. We go, what a victory. Because Jesus died on the cross, I know my sins are forgiven. I know that Jesus has kept the law for me. That means I'll get into heaven as long as I look to Jesus, as long as I trust him and what he's accomplished. Jesus kept all the scriptures. He fulfilled all the commands for you. He didn't need to do it for himself. Jesus already was the sinless son of God, but he did it for you. So when you get to the gates of heaven, you're not going to be asked, so, did you keep all the commands? Did you do what you were told? Did you read your Bible and pray and do everything that it was told? Now, you're going to be able to say, well, actually, no. But Jesus did. He did it for me. My, my trust is in Christ alone, what he did. When we get to heaven, we're not being asked, what did you do? You're going to be asked, did you receive my son? The father will say, did you receive my son? Did you believe in his name? Did you receive him into your heart, not just your ideology and your thinking and for a system of life? No, did you receive him into your heart, into your life, where now he lives in you? Have you received him? And on that, on that day, we can say, oh, Lord, yes, I trusted in Christ. I believed in him. But, oh, I still made a mess of my life. <laughs> and I know many of us will be able to say that, Lord, oh, we still made such a mess. 
But oh, I know, I know in whom I've believed and am persuaded. He died for me. He kept the law for me. He loved me. He died on that cross, proving to me how much he really loves me and how much he is truly the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now that's Matthew in a nutshell. He wants you to behold your king. And when you behold your king, when you receive Christ, then you can live a kingdom life. He wants you to live a kingdom life. What's living in the kingdom? Remember what Matthew says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is it to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? Well, we notice the citizens of the kingdom. Jesus goes on now. He's, he's been preaching this great sermon on the mount. He's been teaching his disciples and those others who joined later. He taught them what the kingdom looks like, what the Christian looks like. The Beatitudes is not a set of rules that you try and keep. Blessed are those who do this for they will inherit. No, the Beatitudes is actually a portrait of what the Christian ought to be. The blessed, someone who's really happy looks like this. Someone who's really happy who knows Jesus should look like this. And so to know a kingdom life, we ought to have different attitudes to the attitudes of the Pharisees especially, Remember the Pharisees? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Did we not share that earlier? The Pharisees lived so that others could see them and how good they were and what lovely Christians they were. But Jesus said, beware of practicing like that or living your life like that. Don't live your Christian life trying to impress other people of what good Christians you are. No. He said, your attitudes should be different. You ought to have beautiful attitudes. The Beatitudes, to me, I, I, I just see them as the beautiful attitudes of Christ. And that's what we ought to live, is having these beautiful attitudes. Our desires ought to be different. Living in the kingdom of God, living as a Christian ought to be different our attitudes should be different. Our desires, our ambitions, and even our relationships ought to be different to the world. Why? Because we're not living for others and for others to see us. We're living that Christ will see us. We're living in view of God. The Pharisees lived as if God wasn't watching them. But they were more aware of other people watching them and they had no awareness that God was actually watching them too. And so here Jesus now begins to tell them don't live like that. Your righteousness should be above the Pharisees. You're not, you should not live a life trying to impress others and for an outward show. No, your faith has to be real. It has to be sincere. It has to be from your heart and the way you live. It has to flow out from a relationship with me. The kingdom life 
is living in relationship to the king. And here, Jesus begins to tell them to seek this life. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So how do we do it? I'm going to finish with this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Scott, that sounds great and it sounds very Christian. It sounds as if you've just quoted the Bible. But how do I do it? How do I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, the first thing we do, to seek first means to prioritise. To seek first, to prioritise God. To prioritise Christ in your life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. We're to pursue, we're to focus with a single mind on the prize. You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's Moses sharing with the people there in Deuteronomy. You will seek the Lord your God. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Again in Second Chronicles, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And there in Psalm 27 at verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And then, of course, Jeremiah 29. I love this verse. You will seek me and find me when you search for, for me with all your heart. Oh, we're to prioritize God. We're to seek him first. We're to give him the first breath of our day. When we wake up in the morning, we ought to give our breath to him in prayer. We're told that the first day of the week was to be given to the Lord. And so we're to prioritize God. We're to trust God. We're to treasure him. He's to be supreme in our lives. Jesus had taught earlier about having that right relationship with God. That's how you seek first the kingdom. You seek to have a right relationship with God. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And notice, remember when the Pharisees, when they would pray, they prayed so that others could see, boy, they're, they're praying men and women. They're prayerful people. Oh, look at them. They're so godly. Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like that. Go into your own room. Go into your closet. Get alone with the Lord. And he says, and when you pray, pray to the God who not just hears you. I love this in Matthew's gospel. It doesn't say that God hears you when you go into your own quiet place. We're told that he sees you. I like that. Go in and pray to the God who sees you. 
And when you do get into the habit of seeking first God in your life, seeking first Jesus to be king of your life, when you seek after him, giving him your first breath of the day, and when you seek to live to make him smile, God says, I see you. I know it's difficult. I know there are times where you sin and you fall short of his glory. I know the Christian life is not easy. But oh, I have given you my spirit. The Holy Spirit will come. He will help you. He will help you to pray. He will help you to live the Christian life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be in a right relationship with God. And it's the Holy Spirit's work to bring us into that relationship where we can love Jesus. At the moment, you may feel, but Scott, I don't feel as if I love Jesus much. I don't feel as if I desire to read my Bible and to pray. And I, Scott, I just don't have the desires. Can I say, you're not alone. Many Christians struggle with that. But it just shows you, doesn't it? Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes as we seek after God, as we seek first the kingdom. The Holy Spirit, he'll come. He'll give you a desire to pray. He'll give you a desire to read your Bible daily and to grow in your relationship. He will take you closer to Jesus. He will cause you to feel the presence of God when you pray. He will give you that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And so this morning, I want to encourage you all to seek first the kingdom of God. Yes, prioritize the Lord in your life. Treasure the Lord in your life. That's what it is to seek first the kingdom. Treasure him. Store your riches up in heaven, not on earth, Jesus said. Oh, we're to treasure God and we're to trust God. That's what it is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so can we just have a quiet time? We're going to have a time of prayer. And this is where you just get to pray by yourself. Ignore the person sitting beside you. And you just let your, just close your eyes and let your heart go to the Lord. And it may be your prayer. Lord, help me to seek first the kingdom. Lord, I want to prioritize you in my life. From this day, I want to treasure you more. And Lord, from this day, I want to trust you more. So, Lord, help me. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live in the kingdom of God, to live that kingdom life. Can we do that? Well, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence through our Lord Jesus, we confess that we don't spend the time with you that you long for us to do. We thank you for your unfailing love and say with the songwriter, you are a good, good father. And we can have that intimate relationship with you as a father. Help us to have the desire to go in and close the door and spend time in the secret place. We thank you that you see and hear and answer prayer. Father, we pray that we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and surrender our lives to you. This world desperately needs you, and we pray that as people look at your church, they will be drawn to you as the see Jesus in the way we live our lives. We pray for your word and its many needs, 
we think again of Afghanistan, where there is so much violence and families are in fear of their lives. Father, we know that nothing is impossible for you, and we pray you will send your Holy Spirit to move in power and change hearts of stone. We ask you to give people compassion for each other. We do pray for our brothers and sisters who are spreading the good news of Jesus as they risk their lives. Do give them strength and courage. May they know your protection in the face of all that is happening around them. We pray for this part of the world too and ask that governments will lead with integrity. May they have compassion for the people they serve. Again, we thank you for all our brothers and sisters in our own church family and pray a blessing on each one. We think of those who are ill in hospital and in their homes at this time. May they know a touch from your healing hand and experience your peace and comfort as the rest in the shadow of your wings. We pray for our wisdom for our minister and leaders in these uncertain times as they make decisions regarding the future of the church. May we all act in unity and see your name honoured and your kingdom come. Lord, hear our prayers as we ask all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks so much, Helen, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, let's now worship the Lord together as we sing, I'm pressing on the upward way.
And now let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen.